St. Paul instructs St. Timothy, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Upper Room Media presents this Teen Matters talk, praying that it will firmly establish these virtues in the future of our church. I wanted to talk to you guys today. It's a very beautiful message from our gospel today um, that the church is teaching every single one of us. And you know, so many times I get young men and women like yourselves who come and say, Abuna, I want to attract God's blessings. What can I do to be blessed? What can I do to be successful? How can I please the Lord's heart? And I think this gospel is, is a beautiful example of an answer to that question. And so, you know, you know the story. We've heard it before. It's from the gospel of Matthew. It's also in Luke and John. And, um, thank you. And, um, and so uh, there, there's so much that we can learn from this particular gospel. But the one verse I really want to focus on is the very first verse that we read today. It says, Then one who was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. And he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. That's one verse. Right? And, in, and I want you to think, can you imagine what the status or the state of this man or this one who was brought to him would have been? Imagine someone who just had one of these problems. Imagine the quality of their life. Imagine what someone who is demon-possessed would be living like. Can't control their own body, can't think straight. You know, sometimes they're thinking straight and sometimes they're not. No control over themselves. Throwing themselves on the ground, hitting their head against a brick wall, doing whatever. They have zero control. Imagine the state of this person's life. Imagine someone who is blind. You know, can you imagine living your life being completely blind? I've seen many people who either are partially blind or are becoming blind or are completely blind. And, and their quality of life is very challenging. A lot of them will need, you know, the things we take for granted. A lot of them will need, you know, things like guide dogs or sticks to walk them past to do even the most simplest of tasks like crossing the road or just saying hello to someone. They need to rely and depend on all their other senses in order to be able to familiarize themselves with things that you know, we can see someone from afar off. The quality of life is completely different. Imagine someone who is mute. I find this a real struggle. Can you imagine having the mental capacity to know what you want to say, having the desire and, and the knowledge to have feelings and to be with it, but then not be able to express yourself? It's extremely challenging. To have people in front of you looking at you like, speak, tell us what's going on, what are you thinking, what's on your mind, and not having the ability to respond to something so, in our lives, generally very, very basic. And yet this person had all those things. Even if they just had one of those things, it would have been difficult. But not only were they demon-possessed and didn't have any control over their body or their mindset, they were, he was, they were blind and he was mute as well and couldn't speak or, or um, 
or have any um, communication with people around him. And so it seems like Abuna, we don't know much about this guy. I mean, it's just one verse, even half a verse that tells us. We don't even know this person's name. But, you know, if you think about it, and, and I want you to be doing this a lot. I want you to think about what it is that we're reading in the Bible. And once you look at the context and understand that, you know, in first century Palestine, around that time of the year, or sorry, around that time of, of um, in society, there was a big, big thing about, are you able to contribute to society? Men had to work. They had to contribute. They had to either be servants or they had to be business owners or they had to be slaves or whatever it may be, but they had to contribute. And that was the only way they would get money. And then they would use that money to support their families. And so this person could not sustain a job. They had no position in society. In fact, so not only were they, you know, from a first century Palestine point of view, kind of a vegetable, useless, in terms of not being able to cooperate or, or, or help with society and contribute. But in addition to that, there was this big, big concept where if someone was born with an infirmity or someone had a disease or someone had, you know, some, some, some problem or medical issue or whatever, it was very much every other person would sit there judging that person and say, who sinned? Did this person sin or their parents? And we heard that when Jesus and his disciples were walking past um, a, a lame man, a blind man before, um, they asked that question. And the Lord said, it wasn't, he didn't sin. It wasn't this person or their parents. It was so that I can glor- so that God can be glorified. And so this man, who's a different person from that story, this man too was living in the same society, the same culture. Same group of people would have been pointing at this man, going, he's a sinner. Or his parents are sinners. They're being punished for something that wrong that they did. And so unfortunately, they really used to get treat- mistreated. They would be judged, they would be scorned, they would be frowned upon. Some people would even like, would find them being so impure, they would spit on them and kick them and beat them in the streets as they cross paths. And so this person, there's no doubt in our minds that this person would have been very, very broken. So let's come back to our first question. How do I appeal? to God's heart, if I want blessings, one of the first things we need to do is to be broken. We don't sit there with a swelled up chest and go, I'm the best and you know everyone else is rubbish and I'm good and everyone else is bad. Pride is actually the very opposite of attracting God's blessings. In fact, if you want to drive God away, you want to push him away and make him have nothing to do with you, be arrogant, have pride. Think highly of yourself, much more than others not to be confused with having low self-esteem. Very different concept. But when we think that we're the best and we start looking at other people and think they're terrible and we're better than them, etc., etc., and allow that, that trail of thought to come through and start treating people in that way, that is the easiest way to drive God away. Be humble. Be broken. Right? And so this person who was broken, this person who was demon-possessed, was blind, was mute. Within three words, three magical, beautiful words, his whole life was turned around. And those words were, he, capital H, healed him. It's that easy. For Jesus, it's three words, not even. It's for us to explain what Jesus did. Three words. Right? But can you imagine the quality of this man's life, how it would have changed? After this encounter with the Lord, 
Can you imagine how his life would have been? He's redeemed. All of a sudden he can smile again. All of a sudden he has full capacity of his mental state. All of a sudden he's not throwing his body on the floor randomly. All of a sudden he's accepted by people around him. He can see. All of a sudden he can talk and communicate. All because of these three beautiful words. He, Jesus, healed him. And the Lord can easily extend his right, mighty right hand, his healing hand in your life and my life too. But we need to live a life that appeals to God's healing. There are some things that the church says that God cannot do. There are some things that God will not do. And so our role is to make sure that we don't sit there puffed up, judging other people, treating other people badly, and then coming to God and saying, God, help me. Because there are certain things we can do to attract God's favor. And humility and brokenness is very much something that attracts the Lord. You'll be blessed. And keeping your purity is another thing. Keeping our purity, sacrificing things that, that we know is displeasing to God. When we make those decisions, when we show loyalty to the Lord, especially in this day and age, especially in, in, in this age group, there is nothing that, is, that brings a bigger smile on Christ's face than seeing you make a sacrifice because you love him. Seeing you let go of a certain sin, seeing you let go of a certain impurity or bad relationship or bad friends that are driving you away from the Lord. When you make that decision, when you develop that courage and do that, know for certain that you are attracting God's blessings in your life. 100%. I say this with full confidence. Because it's a promise from God. And God is a promise keeper. He delivers always. So another concept that I wanted to quickly share with you is, you know, um, the things that you do now can affect how God treats you later. And vice versa. What do I mean by this? I was reading a book about King David. He's one of my favorites, of course. And so it was a book by F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer was contemplating and he was saying, what is it that you did, David? What is it that God saw in you? When did he decide that you are going to be the next king of Israel? When did the Lord, at what moment did God decide this boy? When I'm looking for who's my next king after Saul, this is the young man that I'm going to be choosing. Was it... FBMI continues, he says, was it whilst you were, you know, a shepherd with, with, you know, looking after these sheep? Was it when you were being righteous in looking after your sheep and the flock that you had with you? Was it when you went running and chasing after a lion who was about to entrap one of the sheep? Was it while you were writing one of your psalms? Was it while you were praying? And so David didn't know at that point in time that he was going to be the king, but yet he lived a righteous life nonetheless. I know there are some beautiful Year 12 students who have finished their exams and many who are very closely about to finish. And one concept that we always drive into our HSC students is as soon as they say pens down, a lot of people out there think, that's it. There's nothing else I can do that will impact my results. Doesn't matter. That time between end of HSC, final exam, and that time between when you get your results. There's nothing I can do. But the church turns around and tells us that's not true. In fact, God's above time. 
God could be looking at the way you're behaving at the very same instant that your English paper is being marked by a HSC assessor or your chemistry or your whatever. What are you doing in that time? How are you behaving while your papers are being marked? What is God seeing? Is he seeing you living a righteous life, a godly life? And the same is true not just for HSC, it's any year, all of you, whenever you finish your exams and wait for your results. You can absolutely influence your results. How many times do we hear of students who think they bombed out, think they stuffed up, and for all intents and purposes, we think they should have as well, but yet because of their holiness, because of their repentance, because of their, you know, they, they worked really, really hard, all of a sudden you find miracle upon miracle and, and the laws of, you know, studies and, and, and physics and everything else all go out the window. Why? Because these three words, he healed them. When God intervenes, God becomes, he's the God of the impossible. When do we hear about, you know, people walking on water, people raising from the dead, people who are blind, mute, and demon-possessed being healed? None of that makes any logical sense. And yet for God, for Jesus, it is the only thing that makes sense. That he intervenes and he blesses his children, his youth, who are broken, who love him, who live a godly life, and who would sacrifice anything because of their love for him. If you want to attract these blessings in your life, live a godly life. Make big sacrifices. Make big promises. I remember a young girl many years ago, she came to me when she was in year 10, and she said, Abuna, I want to smash my HSC. I haven't been studying very much up until now. Last 10 years of schooling haven't been nearly the best, but I'm determined, I'm dedicated, and I'm ready. I didn't believe her. I said, yeah, 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 just study, you'll be fine. She was no, 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 Buna. She could tell. She could see it in my eyes. She goes, no, 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 no. I want to show you and prove to you and God that I'm being serious. You know what she did? She said, my biggest distraction is social media and my phone and screens. She took out her phone, took out her SIM card, broke her SIM card and gave it to me. And then I said to her, did you ask your parents before you did that? But, um, but I was very proud of her. Very, very proud. And can I tell you, this girl smashed her HSC. Did very, very well, is in the course that she's always been wanting to do, and God has been blessing time and time again in this person's life. Why? Because she was broken, she made a big commitment, she made big promises, and made big sacrifices. Not because she didn't enjoy social media, not because she didn't enjoy screen times and the relationships and all those things. She loved those things, but her love for God was greater than her love for these temporary things. And the last thing I'll say is when you make this decision, Make no mistake, there is a devil, there is a demon, and he's not going to sit there watching you while you get really, really close to God and say, clap for you. He's going to try to bring you down. All right? And what happened to this person, this man? As soon as Jesus did this miracle, what did the Jewish people and the Pharisees say? Ah, oh, that's not really a miracle. This guy is the ruler of demons. Beelzebub. Do you know what Beelzebub means? Beelzebub is... So, or, or Baal Zabub, rather. Baal is God. Zabub is a word that means flies. So they're calling Jesus, you are the Lord of the flies, or you're the God of the flies, which is nonsense. But haters are going to hate, right? And so this is what these people will do. And that's what they'll do to you too. If you choose, and I'm telling you from now, expect it. When you choose God, Haters are going to hate. People are going to say things about you. They're going to go, oh, you're too good for us now. Oh, you're not, you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend anymore. Oh, you're so good. Oh, Saint, whoever, Tasoni, whoever, Abuna, whoever. And they'll start elevating, ridiculing and saying terrible things. 
Stuffing. Who cares? Because when we have God on our side, everything else is inconsequential. You can now finally see. You can all, all of a sudden have full control over your mindset. And all of a sudden you can speak and, and speak truth and see truth and think clearly. That is far more important and a far more greater blessing. And you'll be so much happier than anyone else that says anything to try to bring you down. Know for a fact, anyone, anyone, I don't care how close this friend is to you or whatever, anyone that comes and tells you anything after you've made a big decision, expect it. I'm telling you from now. Uh, the devil, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? He's been around for thousands of years. He does the same thing to try to bring everyone down. The second he finds one person, see the light and see and taste and see how beautiful God is, he'll try to bring anyone from their past to bring them down. Know for a fact, whoever tells you, Oh, why aren't you back with this boy? Or why aren't you, you know, why, how come I don't see you on social media anymore or whatever? As soon as you've made that decision and promised to sacrifice whatever sin that is, whatever addiction that is, this, the next person that comes to you and says, why don't you, pointing you back in that direction, know that this person is an instrument in the hands of the devil. And you should have nothing to do with that person. Or bring that person to God and tell them to convince, convince them to speak to their confession father. So that through you, God can influence many others. Make no mistake, God is ready to bless. He's ready to give you success. He's ready to heal and to do all amazing, wonderful things that are seemingly impossible to everyone else and to you. He is God of the impossible. And God can do the impossible in your life. All you need to do is be broken before Him. Ask for His blessings. Seek Him and you will definitely find Him. And then when you expect and see other people trying to drive you away, resist them and stay close and hold fast to, your, to God's promises. If you want blessings in your life, God is ready to give and to deliver. All you need to do is choose Him, make sacrifices and make big promises. I challenge you, do this. Not because it's from me, but because this is God's promise. If there is something in your life you want success in, Start making promises from now. Speak to God, confess, speak to your confession father, have a chat to him and make drastic promises to God and he will deliver. It is never too late. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've done in the past. It doesn't matter how bad you're drowning in the mistake right now. God is ready to pick you up and do the impossible in your life. Taste and see how beautiful an amazing God is, and glory be to God for This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.